It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class, EP 131, about to come your way right here on the home of Lacrosse Classified, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Jake Elliott, Brad Challoner with you. Bradley, uh, much, well, I, like, we, we're releasing late this week. We are kind of like, you know, like, there's not much to talk about. Like, what are we going to do? Uh, so unfortunately, like, you know, this is going to be a kind of a lame episode because there's not really a whole lot going on. What's up? No, let's just go to <laughs> hometown heroes yeah. or lacrosse the nation. I just <laughs> hometown heroes. I forget the name of our own segment. Sorry. Uh, let's let's space cadetting. <laughs> yeah. No, man, this is the week. This is the week we've been waiting for. And, you know, we've been, we've, we've come up with stuff to talk about, but we've been complaining that there's lack of NLL stories. This Holy cow, so dude. Like, and now we get it all dumped in our lap in, in one week. So they couldn't space this news out, no. but I guess, um, I guess here we, we go. Yeah. It. So yeah, I mean, lots to talk about here, but, uh, I mean, I gotta, we gotta catch up here a little bit. Uh, mother's day. How did, how did that go with, with crystal and the family and, uh, and, and, and your parents, how was it? Mother's day was good. I was, that's why we're nice recording we, late, by the way, because you, uh, you know, you. Put, I could put not family break. first. We, we, How dare you? Exactly. Our original record time is usually like six p.m. Sunday nights for the most part, and I couldn't justify that right in the middle of Mother's Day dinner <laughs> to step away and talk about lacrosse with my good buddy Jumbo. But Mother's Day was good. My daughter's in grade one, so as the kids are getting older now. Their gifts are self-sufficient. Mm, they make making, all these sorts of awesome right? little coupon books and that's like what schools um, for, right? Like they just they can ad, make stuff ad lib, now. fill in the blank stuff. I know. So they come home with gifts, so it saves you a couple bucks, and it's way better than anything I could give my wife. Well, good man. How about you? Uh, yeah, I I played a little little golf in the morning and uh, spent some time with Danny, my dear mother, of course, no longer with us. So uh, you know that. It's it's always a, a bit of a tough day for me, but uh, you know I gotta acknowledge uh, my two baby mamas as well, and uh, and of course Danny, who's like one of the best mothers I know, if not the best. So um, it was a good day, and uh, it's you know Tuesday night here. I can, like the weather outside is absolutely gorgeous, uh, but this is a little different recording on a Tuesday here. But that's okay because we have like so much to talk about. <laughs> This week, I don't know how long it's going to go, so buckle up, settle in. It's going to be a jam-packed lax class. As uh, we mentioned, big focus, some huge NLL news dropping this week uh, a couple of times, so we'll get into that here in mere moments, but we got our Stampede Stallion of the Week. We got Quick Sticks, a whole bunch of Quick Sticks this week, Brad. And we're going lacrosse the nation once again as we travel back across the country as we're going to talk Peterborough Laker lacrosse with a good friend of the program and just an absolute legend in that city as far as Laker lacrosse goes. And Hall of Famer Jamie Batley will join us in quarter two. Looking forward to this chat. Minto Cup champion with the Peterborough Maulers mm. at the time. A pretty frightful lacrosse name and then obviously the head coach of that's a good sort name. of the beginning beginning of the msl dynasty peterborough lakers six man cups in 11 years for jamie batley 
more that's batting more than 500. You know, you're that's but that's as a coach. That's as a coach, or as I mean, that's he, as a coach. Yeah, that's so as a, he's got a bunch more. As, he's got a bunch as a, as a player too. Team Canada, yeah, all the rest of it. So, one of the great minds uh, in in the game of lacrosse, and great guy as well. And he's going to talk all about Peterborough this week. So look forward to that. But here in quarter one, we like to do a little something called the big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. So the big focus this week. Well, a couple of a big focuses, Brad. But let's get to the first big focus, and that was the news that dropped just today. And it's almost a good thing that we kind of pushed back uh, the release date of the show so we could discuss these topics here because we would have missed it uh, if we were recorded earlier. This is something that we kind of known for what Brad like five six months maybe maybe not quite that long but we've known about it for a while we've kind of kept our lips zipped um out of respect for for the league and and for Jamie and and all the rest of it so the Toronto Rock are on the move they're still going to be the Toronto Rock but they're heading to the hammer to play out of the first on what's it called the first Ontario Center uh, first Ontario Center, a five-year agreement with Spectra-managed Core Entertainment Group, relocating the Toronto Rock to Hamilton's first Ontario Center, beginning with the 2021-2022 season. Jamie Dawick and the whole lacrosse operation staff will remain intact, or roster will remain intact. Really, the only thing different is the Toronto Rock playing their home games out of Hamilton, mm-hmm. and... You know, as an emotional Jamie expressed at the press conference this week, it, it makes sense on so many different levels. First, business, rent too expensive at, oh, uh, like getting, in downtown Toronto. Yeah, he won't say it, getting Brad. Good dates is Im- getting good dates is impossible there. Yeah. Say it for him. What were you going to say? Well, no, I, like I know he won't say it, but like he was getting absolutely bent over renting out Scotiabank Center in Toronto from MLSE. Like it, I don't know what with the number 8, 000, was. With eight thousand people it in just, there, not going to work. Like yeah, that. listen, uh, he's he's not he's not going broke anytime soon. But when you're when you're losing money, you're losing money, and nobody likes to lose money. I don't care if it's ten bucks or a million bucks. Nobody likes to lose money. So, I think that's really the driving force here. He's still got the track in Oakville, which is going to be rock central. It's still going to be the Toronto rock. Speaking of that, seen a lot of comments uh, coming through on, on different social channels about, you know, people in Toronto being upset that they're moving to Hamilton and people in Hamilton being upset that they're still called Toronto. Like, I don't get this really. I really don't. The Rock draw well, we're fans not, we're from not the, there. No, but they draw fans, Brad, we're from not, the we're greater. We're not there, and I know it was a different story when the Vancouver Stealth were playing at the Langley Event Center. It's, it's a little closer. Langley is a is a great community in its own right, but it's not a very big community. That was the biggest backlash I saw today was Hamiltonian saying, hey, we're not Toronto. Yeah. We're not going to embrace yeah. you with that name. And I know Jamie Dawick's argument and the Rock's argument say, we're Ontario's team. Um, but there definitely is some heat, and I, I, we we'll have to wait and see if it's going to affect actually butts in the seats and how pissed off Hamiltonians are going to be about it. I can tell you that, you know, the five years that you and I both wor- worked for the Stealth, no one in Langley gave a shit that they were called the Vancouver Stealth. No. Um, Not you know, one. it just kind of was 
it was what it was. We're not in Toronto. I did have some people that I know from from back east reach out and say, yeah, that's it's a big difference. Hamilton is a city of like, I get it. I, uh... something like that. Like it's a it's a bigger town, right? And they have a CFL team. They have an AHL team. But listen, you're you're making a lot of I Hamilton get that. Thrive. I get all that. But you're talking about a franchise with oodles of history, championships, and a legacy that you want to hang on to and and connect with. And fans are coming from Mimico, Brampton, Orangeville. I know Hamilton's a bigger city. They're coming from all over the greater Peterborough, you name it. They're coming from all over. Well, they might not be now. And we'll Well, ask Jimmy Bally about that. But they might not be coming from Whitby and Peterborough and Scarborough because anything east is too – it might be too far now to go to the Hammer. Maybe. They can now draw from Niagara and Six Nations and anything sort of south. Yeah. Um, and the branding, so Brad, the, the branding, like, do you really want to rebrand the whole thing, all of it like that? I don't know, man. Like, where do you come out? Here's like, why. Here's why I'm glad I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. Hamiltonians can hate on me all they want. You know, I, I get I get why. I also think from a league standpoint, Toronto, you can't have now. Well, you can't have now Albany and and, you know, Panther City and Hamilton. Because now it sounds like I think you're running the AHL, NHL league or a minor league team. You have to have Toronto in there. You have to have Vancouver, New York. New York. Like it just doesn't sound, have that sexy big league appeal to call it the Hamilton Rock. Could they have been the Ontario Rock? Maybe. Mm. But, you know, yeah, even on your branding, keep that history. They could have gone full circle and called themselves sure. Ontario. That's how the Raiders started yeah, in Hamilton. yeah. yeah. Um, no one had a problem then, but I just don't think the league can can put their best foot forward now with some smaller market towns. Yeah. Um, but I it, yeah, it, it hasn't been a good look with and all these all these deals have made a hundred percent financial success. Like I get that we're in a we're in a COVID world where every industry has been shaken up. I work in broadcasting; it's been absolutely flipped on its head. Um, over the last year and and professional sports is going through that right now. There's a lot of contraction. There's a lot of business decisions that are being made. So I think for the sake of the league and not making it sound stability. smaller than it is in stability, you got to still call it the, the Toronto. Rock. I'm good with it. I think Hamilton will get over it. I think fans and I, I like, I don't know how many are drawn from the inner downtown core of Toronto and I get it. It's a little different. You know, when you're going downtown Toronto, you're going downtown Hamilton. But I think it's good. That's a blue-collar town. And I think once they get a little taste of rock lacrosse there in the Ontario Centre, they're going to be coming, man. And and I think they're going to draw really well. So let's uh, let's wait and see how it all plays out in the Hamilton. That's the thing. Like, pe- people um... – the rock get lost downtown because there's just so much. Like, you know, there's no rock branding James, outside Raptors, of the Leafs, outside of outside Marlins, of the Scotia Bank Center. But like, they can get TFC. You know, I'm sure you can get billboards in Hamilton up and down the street leading up to the arena and really brand the hell Heck out of the yeah. Toronto Rock. And that's what they want to do. They want to own that community and some of the surrounding areas and really know that they're here to stay. They can make more inroads in the community there. They can touch the grassroots programs there a little bit better. Um, so they have all that going for them and. I know I got I got chirped saying today that um, that Hamilton was the Brooklyn to Toronto, <laughs> yes, Brooklyn to Manhattan. But there was literally that. like a CBC article I read a year or two ago that said that because they have like this hipster restaurant scene bustling up. It's people that can open small businesses there that can't afford to do that downtown. So I like Hamilton. Market, I shout out Calmatees. Get the Rock. Get the Arkells to perform at your freaking home opener and 
you'll be set yourself up for success for the for the next five ten years. I just love calling it the hammer more than anything. I think like the hammer. Love going to the hammer. All right, Brad, that was one big focus. Speaking about dominating the community, let's get to big focus number two. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. Big focus number two. We got to drop the sound by twice in one episode. I love it. Uh, big focus number two. Let's travel to the prairies, Bradley, and Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where this. I'm not gonna lie. Like I've heard, I've heard rumors for <clears throat> excuse me for like the better part of three years that. The Urban Family was shopping the Saskatchewan Rush. They were up for sale, then they weren't for sale, then they were up for sale. And I thought, like, I get it. Bruce wants to to cash in while the stock is high, if you know what I'm cooking. But I never thought, like, I didn't know what he was asking for it, but I don't know. I didn't think that he would ever get what he thought it was worth. So I didn't think he would ever do it. But like you just mentioned, a lot of things have changed in our world, and I don't know if it was a financial decision or or whether it was just time for the urban family or what the what the deal was. But this one kind of caught me like a, a right cross here, Brad and and Bruce and Brandon and Cindy Urban have sold the Saskatchewan Rush to uh, another group in Saskatoon, which I'm excited to see that they're they're in it for the long haul here in, in Saskatoon, and, and they're going to kind of carry on their urban legacy, what they've built there. And the impact, and I have to say this right here and now, like thank you to the urban family for, for taking a chance on me and, and, and bringing me to Saskatoon to, to work for the Rush for the last few years. And, and more importantly than that, Brad, thank you to them for – the impact that they have had on not only the National Lacrosse League, but the sport of lacrosse in the province of Saskatchewan. And none of it, and I mean none of it, is what it is without the urban. So I'm looking forward to the future and, and seeing what the, the new group does here. But I just want to say thank you to the urbans, and, and their legacy will continue to live on for years to come. Yeah, and it started in Edmonton and bled over. They started the legacy there and then rolled it over in into Saskatoon and selling to the Priestner Sports Corporation. So this is kind of a transitional thing too and a business thing that makes sense because the Urbans were, it was a family-owned team that they built to be one of the most successful in the National Crossing. Nobody sold more tickets over the last few years than the Saskatchewan Rush did. And what they're doing now is they're handing the team over to a Priestner Sports Corporation that owns the Saskatoon Blades that has tons of business connections in town locally and can really take this thing to the next level. Yeah, and I don't, don't even know what that next level looks like. No. They do it better. Well, I think maybe a new else. building, Brad, is, is in the works yeah, there maybe. in the Saskatoon. Well, and, that would and right make sense. If they're the ones who have, yeah, if they're the ones who have the funds to to make that happen right in downtown, that would be amazing. Yeah. And then it, it totally makes sense. And, you know, I think spidey sense is tingling a little bit maybe this is a bit of a a kurt styers like move where you sort of mm. get out of one team and you go start yes, another and yes uh, maybe, that maybe, that is a possibility i kind of put some feelers the roots back to edmonton well listen uh, <clears throat> to get on to that topic here and then not to stray too far away as uh we we got bats coming up here but 
Uh, I, I did a little digging around the Edmonton area to kind of maybe see because we Rod Peterson kind of breaking news on, on his show that an announcement, a team announcement, as I use air quotes, coming out of the city of Edmonton on June 1st. So I, I thought, well... You know, I started doing a little math, and so I started poking around, and, and I don't think it's going to be Urban that, that picks up the team in Edmonton. I do believe, after doing a little digging, I do believe a team is coming to Edmonton. I don't think it's going to be Bruce Urban, but but Edmonton is going to rejoin the National Lacrosse League. Western Canadian lacrosse fans are very happy. I know the Warriors will be stoked about that. I know the Roughnecks will be extremely excited to have a team back in Edmonton. I know the Rush We'll have an immediate rival if that if that happens too. Um, but let's get a little bit more insight here. Ryan Flaherty from Global TV in Saskatchewan, also play-by-play voice of the Saskatchewan Rush alongside you, Jumbo. He was one of the ones very early on this story and breaking it and covering it uh, so exceptionally well, like he always does with Global Saskatoon. But Ryan Flaherty is going to join us to give a little bit more insight on this sale. And Ryan, thanks for joining us, man. Like I know this sale caught a lot of people off guard. My first question is simply, why did it happen? That is like, like that's probably the million dollar question, Brad. Like, you know, you look at or two million. Urban and the, I don't know, three million. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. I can tell you this: they got a good deal. Uh, the price point was a major reason why the priesters were uh, were willing to make this sale. But you know, the why is is really interesting because you know the Urban's Bruce Urban was not looking to sell his team. There was no you know, smoking gun, if you will, uh, you know, like they didn't cite massive losses due to the pandemic, you know, that kind of thing. I don't doubt that they've taken a hit um, as pretty much any ownership group has in the last year and a half. But by all indications, this was just a case of the Priestners essentially t- starting the conversation with Bruce uh, and the Urbans and, and saying, hey, what do you think? Um, we, we have some interest in this. Um would you ever be open to selling? And from my understanding, the conversation just kind of developed from there. And really, it's only in the last month or so that this this all came together. The, the, the conversation kind of started about a year ago, but it really didn't pick up steam until about a month ago. And and here we are. Um, Tell me and, about and, the Priesters, Flats. Uh, what kind of people are where they come from, what they do, and, and what can NLL fans expect out of this ownership group? Well, and that's the thing, I think, why this was able to happen so quickly is the Priestner Sports Corporation, you know, run, you know, owned by the Priestner family. And Mike Priestner is the the patriarch of the the clan. And they come from a similar business background as Bruce Urban. You know, Bruce has the Western RV group. Right. And and Mike Priestner and the Priestners own Go Auto. And they have, you know, something like three dozen car dealerships. (laughs) Um, And they're based out of Edmonton. Um, And... You know, as for their sports background, well, they got into the sports world and, and ownership back in 2013 when they bought the Saskatoon Blades in the in the Western Hockey League, and uh, they think they paid nine million dollars for the team at that point. Um, and they inherited a team then that was just after it had basically got it. yeah empty empty pantry. They had had a Memorial Cup run. They didn't work out, uh, and they didn't have a lot to go work work with. So. Over the course of the next few years, they had to go through a pretty big rebuild. Colin Priestner, the uh, you know the, the Mike's son, who is now both the president and GM of the Blades, and now the president of the Rush, um, he kind of learned sports management on the fly. You know, even while he was on the job, he was taking classes um, to get you know a degree in 
you know, sports management. Um, he's a former athlete himself, played tennis at a pretty high level back when he was younger and uh, has just learned on the fly. I'm watching him as a GM in hockey, in junior hockey. He's made big strides. I think there was a lot of criticism early on. Oh, the, the owner's son is getting the keys to the, right. to the, to the, to the fancy toy, right? But they've uh, established a pretty solid footprint here in Saskatoon um, as, you know, solid stewards of the junior franchise, hockey franchise. It's been here for, you know, over 50 years. One of the original WHL teams. Yeah. And so, you know, they just started to get interested in lacrosse. And I know, you know, speaking to Colin, you know, at Blades events, he would often pick my brain about the rush. I mean, they're co-tenants in the same building. Yeah, you know and, why. And you could, you know, could see them, right? And, and now you know. Like, he was doing his fact-finding, right? And, well, like, trying to see if this was going to be viable. Yeah, and one of the, the the points that I found interesting and, and that really, to me, makes the most sense is that Derek Keenan will remain in charge of lacrosse operations. Like, you, you kind of said, like, these are our owners that – know what they know and know what they don't know and they put the people in place that do know how to do what they need to do and it doesn't come any better than Derek Keenan and I'm glad they're not going to upset that apple cart that's had a little bit of success there in Saskatoon over the last five years just a smidgen yeah I mean Jake you touched on you you, you said it well like it's I think that's the mark of, of it's not just in you know running a sports franchise but in good leadership right is you recognize the people that have the knowledge and skills to do the best things in the different positions you need to fill, right? And you trust your people when you put them in those positions. If Derek Keenan wasn't, you know, open to sticking around, yeah. uh, this deal probably doesn't happen. Mm. Um, I think that is how just how highly he is valued as part of this organization. Um, he's essentially built this franchise, mm. you know, in 12 years as a part of this team. Um, he's the architect when it all comes down to it. And why would you, you know, completely start over <laughs> yes. when you have a guy like that in place? And yeah. it's not just Derek. Uh, it's the business side yeah, as well. Andrea, you know, with the exception and, of a couple of, yeah. of people, they're keeping pretty much everybody um, who wanted to stick around. And, and that, I think, will allow them to kind of maintain the level uh, that they've had here in, in terms of support and, and the foot, foothold they have in this market. You know, more more tickets sold than any other team in the National Lacrosse League over the last few years. How does this even get any bigger, though? Like, what what is next if 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 this if this organization is going to go to the next level? Clubs. What does that even What does that even look like in Saskatoon? Like, I can't imagine it being much much improved. You know, I mean, keep winning championships. That's always good. But you know, it's been a couple years. People are uh, you know a little starved. thirsty. It's like a lengthy, thirsty, a lengthy drought when it comes to the rush here. You know, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a while. So spoiled. Um, so spoiled. Yeah, I know it really are. I mean, first year they come in and win it. I mean, that's. That's how you get a fan base. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Jake, you, you, you referenced arena. I think that's definitely, you know, something to look at down the line. Now, you know, Colin Priestner was, was uh, careful not to go too far down that road yesterday, but you know, he did, he was asked about that. And, and that was my, one of my initial thoughts about this sale nice is little spot downtown, now that they have maybe, the two right? primary tenants yeah. in this building and there's a new arena on the horizon for this city, mm just how big of a role are they going to have in running that building? Could we see them eventually as the owners and operators of a new arena in Saskatoon? I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. 
Nor do I, my friend. Uh, Flats, uh, it's so good. I know we're on Zoom, but you can't. Nobody else can see you except us. But uh, you're looking good, man. You're all ties, suited up. Uh, hair's looking tight. You're looking good, man. I miss you, and uh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it, and right back at you, man. It's uh, I can't wait till the next time we get to call a game together, and uh, in the new uh, Priestner era yeah. of. Uh, Rush Nation. Exciting stuff, man. Be well, be safe, and uh, hopefully we see you real soon. All right, thanks. You too. Thanks a lot. There he is, voice of the Saskatchewan Rush, uh, one Ryan Flaherty. Man is good at his job, Brad, and uh, great reporter, great play-by-play guy, and just a good dude all around and, and connected when it comes to the sports scene in Saskatoon. Well, you know what? This is something that was encouraging this week. I'll, I'll kind of tie Toronto and and Saskatchewan into this at the same time. Media coverage was great this week outside of your traditional lacrosse media outlets. Like CBC was all over the rock story. Global Saskatoon, as they always are. Saskatoon. Why Saskatoon. Saskatoon. They're going to come at me. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know why that slipped out that way. Um but like yeah, global and Ryan and and Ian Duffy, I think CTV, they're yeah, all of it. really, really all always covering the rush in a big way. And then to see the love that the Rock got this week from all the all the Canadian media outlets was was huge, you know. And so lacrosse is in the news this week in a big way, thanks to guys like Ryan Flair. Oh God, and Twitter, lacrosse Twitter was a blaze for the the NC2A selection committee. <laughs> My goodness. One of my favorite days on Twitter is, is when they fill out the bracket uh, for the NC2A tournament. People just go nuts about who seated what and who didn't make it, who did be. Anyways, Brad, that's a conversation for another time. we got to get uh, to break because we got one Jamie Batley from Peterborough, Ontario, talking Lakers, throwing lacrosse the nation next. You look like you want to say something. What? You good? Let's go to the borough, baby. Let's go to the borough. <laughs> right, we're back after this. This is NLO Hall of Famer Rich Kilgore. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLO and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into quarter number two. Jake Kelly, Brad Challoner with you as uh, Brad, I think it's time. You ready? Let's go. Let's go lacrosse the nation. Lacrosse. Lacrosse. We need like an airplane sound effect. Landing now in the land of the lakes. Did you not hear the sound Ontario. effect? Ontario. I have the, the jet production sound. value yeah. just gets better every single week. We head to Peterborough, Ontario, lacrosse the nation. What makes a lacrosse hotbed a hotbed? Um, you know, the, the list was short when we figured out who we want to talk to you from Peterborough, Ontario. There's only one guy that really that popped into our heads right away. And friend of the show, a guy we know really well, um, Jamie Batley, who's a Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Famer, a Peterborough Sports Hall of Famer, former uh, head coach in the National Lacrosse League, currently working behind the scenes with the Halifax Thunderbirds, multiple Mintos, multiple mans as a coach and a player. The resume just does not stop. Jamie Batley, welcome back to the show. It's been a minute. 
Yeah, thanks for having me back. I haven't seen you guys for a couple of years, so it's. Uh, I thought you forgot about me, but uh, I appreciate you giving me the call. <laughs> it's impossible well, to forget about your you. Your facial too. hair is a little longer. You're, you've <laughs> swapped your NLL hat for a Montreal Canadiens hat right now. But um, let's talk some Peterborough. That, that's what you're here for. Um, we've been diving in, really, what makes a lacrosse hotbed a hotbed. Um, I know you were introduced to the game by Uncle Bob Rock. Is that right? Once upon a time? Yeah, well, him and my dad both played uh, 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 for the senior Lakers. He was a he was a couple years older, but uh, interesting enough, his name's Robert. My first name's actually is Robert, so uh, I was semi named after him. But uh, Rock he used to be a hockey goalie, so uh, you know, get hit in the face many times, and they just call you Rock. <laughs> How many? Okay, let, Brad mentioned meant multiple Mentos man's player. Co- How many? How many rings do you have total? Team Canada, all of it. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I don't. I, I honestly don't know. More I, than I, you I, have fingers? Probably, uh, yeah, something like that. Probably. Uh, seven man cups as a player and a coach, two two minnows. Um, you know, we won the Canadian Championship in midget. So, you know, uh, World Championship. I was assistant coach there in 2007, Halifax. Well, there so, you go. There's 10 at least. Yeah, if that's 10, then that's good. Do you have a favorite? You know, my first win uh, uh, in the Man Cup, uh, playing for Six Nations, uh, you know, on the floor in New West, you know, that... Uh, 95. Yeah, the, and I think you and I have talked about that in the past, but, uh, you know, just the history of uh, going into New Westminster and knowing what the history of that lacrosse organization is and to be able to play on that floor in front mm-hmm. of packed houses every night, you know, I, I know that we... We had, we had to wait for the fans to get in most nights. And, you know, we didn't start 15 minutes late or 20 minutes late just to, you know, so the fans could get in. There were yeah. so many. Yeah. It was very exciting. It was, a, it was a crazy series with brawls and all these other things happening. And, uh, you know, it was very exciting, my first Man Cup. So it's probably one of the most memorable. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I remember that Man Cup very, very well. And But we're, we talked New West and Queen's Park Arena last week, Jamie. So let's talk. You know what? I want to I I drop a little nugget. I want to drop a little nugget that I always found interesting. Paul Parnell, one of the New Westminster Salmon Bellies all-time greats. Peterborough boy. Early days, 60s, 70s. Born in Peterborough, played in the Man Cup, or was it the Minto Cup, against New West met a woman from New West, fell in love, and never went back to Peterborough after that, stayed in New West, and became this Bellies legend. Jersey hangs in the rafters. Yeah. Tell me but about Paul Parnell, a young Paul Parnell, Jamie Bally. Yeah, well, I, I didn't, you know, I, I've heard of Paul Parnell. Obviously, my dad and him were friends, and my uncle and them. Those guys all hung around. And Peterborough was so small back then. Everybody went to the same high school kind of thing. So I, I heard about him for many years before I ever met him. And, uh, obviously became a legend out there uh, with the new West organization, but yeah, Peterborough born and, uh, and raised. Okay. Let me ask you this then, Jamie, John Grant, senior John Grant, junior, who's better. Well, you know, those, those two players, totally amazing uh, lacrosse players. I can't pick one. I'll tell you you why. Um, Because, you know, back in the day, John Grant senior was uh, just a phenomenal player ahead of his time. You know, with the backhand uh, that he, uh, you know, he scored so many goals from. You watch the old Philly tapes and those kind of things. And, you know, I grew up watching him. uh, And then on the other hand, John Grant Jr., you know, everything he's done for the game, you know, with the difference in the sticks and all that, what he can do with the sticks that people can't do anymore. And, you know, he's got a great offensive mind. And, uh, 
you know, really was able, when I was coaching him, able to adapt into a team player, which he, he kind of had a little bit of trouble with that in his earlier career. And, uh, you know, he, he, he uh, put that into his game, uh, being able to feed. Once he, once he was able to put feeding into his game, uh, on a regular basis, he just became a better player because then you couldn't double him. And, yeah. you know, he just he went through the roof after that. So, you know, after 2004 or five, whatever it was, you know, he 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 became a different player. And obviously he's great. Let's go back to early days of, of you playing and picking up a stick for the first time. Jamie, how big was lacrosse in Peterborough at that at that time? Were the senior team already rolling at that point? And were there guys that you were looking up to from a young age? Was it already happening back then? Yeah, so the Miller Bowl, which is uh, which is a, a very historical place in Peterborough, it's not there anymore and hasn't been for years. But that was a place where all the local kids went to play. Um, you know, I'm thinking back in the '50s, and and that's really I think when lacrosse really started in Peterborough. I think the kind of history started then, and um, you know, it was an outdoor bowl. They they packed the place, and um, my dad played in that era. And then they went to the old Civic Arena. We called it. It's not there anymore either. But then that's when I was a kid and you know, would watch and, and uh, you know, then it went to the Memorial Center kind of thing. So that's kind of the evolution of uh, Peterborough lacrosse. I'm not sure too much before the 50s. I know there was lacrosse. Um, I think our organization, the Lakers, started in 1949. Uh, I'm president of the alumni here, uh, Lakers alumni, and uh, that's that's kind of how we researched it back to 1949. So, um, you know, that's kind of the history of where the arenas were and uh, – all those arenas now, if they were still there, would be in about a 10 to 12 block radius of each other. Huh. Um, so that's kind of compact down, you know, in the, from the Memorial Center over to the Civic Arena to the Miller Bowl. We're, you know, really, really close to each other. So that's kind of a downtown kind of history of lacrosse, the arenas that were and how it started. Speaking with Peterborough legend Jamie Batley, um, why is lacrosse so popular in that city, Jan. Like, I know the, the Pete's are there, but, I mean, it's not only, like, do... Like, for anybody that hasn't seen it, during intermissions of Senior Laker games, there will be, what, like 500 kids out on the floor whipping balls around and just going nuts. Like, I'd never seen this at any other arena. And then you got, you know, 35, 4,000 fans every single home game packed in there. And kids want to grow up and, and play for the late. Why is it so popular in Peterborough? You know, um, I can only speak from my experience, um, you know, being part of the Lakers. The 20 years before that, you know, we were 20 years between man cups. And it was really, uh, really not a good 20 years, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we we would have 200 people at games and, uh, you know, it wasn't a great place to go. It was so hot. winning, you know, you're winning is, is the answer is what you're telling me. Uh, well, and, and also they did a renovation in Memorial Center and they put it in the air conditioning. So now your decision, your decision winning was, in air conditioning. Then it, it used to be, you know, do you stay home by the pool and barbecue or go sit in the hot rink? Yeah. Right. And then that changed because now you know, they're serving beer, there's air conditioning. And then we started winning in 04. The renovations were in 03. Yeah. And then we started winning in 04 and they all just came together. And, I, you know, I have to look at the marketing and, and those kind of things too. We, we put, uh, we put the games on local TV uh, community television and that had a lot to do with people revamping re-going back into their minds hey i used to love lacrosse now they started watching it and then they started coming to the game so you know that's really how that that history from 2004 to to now 
has really uh, expanded and, and became such a great place to play. I think one thing about Peterborough too, is that you guys have always done a great job of graduating juniors into, into the major series team I mean, better than a lot of other towns. And, you know, I think it's blessed to have Sean Evans and, and John Grant Jr. And, and TK growing up in Peterborough, but has that always been a real important mark for the senior teams? Hey, we need local guys to build this and that's going to help build the popularity as well. You know, one of the things that happened to us was in, uh, in the eighties, we won four, uh, six minnow cups in the eighties and a lot of those players went out West. And, uh, back then you did get, you didn't get any compensation. So that really hurt us in the nineties. Uh, you know, for, for those guys leaving, you know, start like a Walter Quinlan, uh, Sean, uh, Andy Stevenson, Dougie Hill, he went out there and all these guys, you know, Jeff Hartle and all these guys that were core players, um, you know, went out and stayed and didn't come back. And that really, really hurt the core. But since that time, we've really developed, uh, you know, in 2006, our junior team won the Minnow Cup. And we've graduated a lot of players into the seniors from, you know, that 2004 right up, right up to now. I mean, even when I was, you know, able to bring in a lot of the best players, uh, you know, in Ontario, over half our team was always born in Peterborough. Well, I mean, what well- but Jamie, like the junior team has had nowhere near the success that the senior team has had of late. And I don't know whether that's been mismanagement or a coaching carousel or, or what's really gone on, but tell me what, how do we, how do you guys get the junior team back to the prominence that you're talking about back in 2006 when it won a Minto cup? Um, what, what's the disconnect there between the senior and the junior? Yeah, and without being critical to any of those guys, sure. you know, Lee Vettorelli has been the manager for 45 years. And, you know, he, you know, there's sometimes there's success and sometimes there's Tim Barry's been the owner for a long time. Those guys work tirelessly to, 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 to make it better. But I think one of the things we haven't done well um, over the years is, is drafting players and bringing players in from other centers to, to, to get you over the edge, right? Like you can only do so much with your local talent. Um, you know, the, our minor system here almost went to a B category a few years ago. Um, and how's that numbers, now, Jamie? What's the, what are the numbers it, like? It's, it's an A center, but you know, you really got to start looking at, you know, Orangeville has been great for a long time. Whitby was great. Now they've uh, lost some of their Oshawa, you know, so that's kind of been split up for many, many years. Whitby had that whole area. Yeah. Uh, Oakville is, is unbelievable. Now St. Catharines is coming back and all these other centers. So, you know, where we may have got players in the past, we can't, you know, we're not able to get those players. And the competition's a lot better, you know. When, when you've got organizations that are going out and getting the best players uh, at the trade deadlines and those kind of things, it, that, that makes it tough on you. And, now, you know, maybe money's a problem too. I don't know their finances, but yeah. it takes money to bring those players in. Okay, explain this to me, Jamie Batley. Lakers, well, I know the senior Lakers, one of the first, if not the only team in, in major Canadian lacrosse to rip off the logo, so to speak, and start planting sponsorships all over their jersey um and and that really kind of helps uh get get the players that you want in the in that lineup but i don't understand why the senior lakers are one color red white and blue and then the junior lakers are what like green blue and like what why is yeah, that different the, the 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 kelly green and and the, and the, it used to be a little bit gold but now it's a green and, and, and a blue in there or whatever it is that's been the traditional kind of Peterborough color, that Kelly green. Yeah, I don't mind it. I just don't know why it's different. Well, what's happened is over the years, those sweaters have always changed, right? Depending on the sponsorship, you had the Red Oaks back in 78, and they had 
black with a big uh, oak tree on there. Uh, you know, and we were the Quakers for a while, and they, you know, because Quaker Oats was here, and a number of different Raymond Rose back in the old days, they were purple and white, right? So a lot of times that's been dependent on who the sponsor was at the time. And, you know, I think that color scheme had changed. And now the two teams are different. Obviously, it looks different, but I think that's one of the reasons why, due to a sponsorship at the at the no bug level. juice, Jamie. No bug juice in Peterborough, please. <laughs> you ain't going that far. Bug juice. Yeah, Brampton bug juice. <laughs> Jamie, when we were talking to um, you know, we've been in New Westminster, we've been to we've been to Orangeville so far, and Rochester for lacrosse the nation here. Um, and the big thing in New Westminster and Orangeville is alumni giving back and and coaching, and you know, guys in the NLL are coaching, you know. Uh, junior teams and peewee teams and novice teams how much is that going on in in peterborough guys coming back and giving back you know it's always it's always been that way we've always generally had that situation um and just recently before uh before covid hit last year um the junior team hired uh you know for well robert hope was going to be the head coach i think so you know there's a guy who's you know in his prime and um you know a couple of those other those guys so he was going to be the main guy but uh you know, they were going to have four guys that, you know, have fresh minds and uh, we're up to the game, uh, up to the standards of today and, and the systems and, and the strategies and all that. So the COVID's hit, you know, we missed a season. It almost looks like we're missing another one. So I know everybody's going through that, but I, that's always happened. You know, I look when I when I was tight, John Martin and Dan Dunn coached me. When I won Minnow Cups in junior, Dan Dunn and John Martin coached me. So, you know, that's been, that's been going on for many, many years. So I don't know if that means like the Lakers are like now like, Five time back to back to back chant like no, no season and they're three time <laughs> chant. So we'll see how how that shakes out. But uh, give me as a as a fan, as a player, as a coach, craziest thing you've ever seen in a Peterborough lacrosse game. Oh well, I can tell you we uh, <laughs> very uh, a, a game during the regular season against Aquasasni. There was, uh, you know, about 30 seconds left on the clock in the second period. And uh, we picked a face up, picked up the face off, went down and scored. Matt Giles scored. Uh, next thing you know, a brawl broke out. Like, it was unreal. Uh, full on, all both teams on the floor brawling. We're, st- we're standing there watching, you know, from the coaches. And, you know, you just, what do you do? You just watch, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, a water bottle came from the other side, the other bench. Who was on that? Who was on their bench? Oh, it was uh, Smart. I forget his first name now. Um, good, he good. He's well, good. That's the, other, that's the other side of the floor in Peterborough. That's, that's a long side, cost. That's the other side. Oh, of the floor. Yeah, I didn't even think like, about he that. Should have been a quarterback. Like, I this didn't thing even came think about dark, that. Yeah, yeah, bottle. yeah. One of those big old Cooper ones, right? Like not the Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, no, like I got a you. Size football. I got you. And uh, so, you know, that was kind of one of the scariest things. The funny thing about that is if the ref had let the clock run to the end of the second, the game would have been over because they stopped the game. But we had to go back the next time we play them, play the eight seconds, oh, play man. the third period, then play another game. So, you know, it was, it was kind of a crazy situation. I mean, I, I know there's a lot more, but that one sticks in my mind. Let's uh, d- I- Address the benches there, because that's another interesting quirk that Queens Park and the Bunny Barn in Orangeville have. Like they're unique places with a rig home floor advantage, and if you can say the same thing about the Memorial Center, and you know the quirkiness of the benches being on different sides. Some people will say that Peterborough knows how to play that better than anybody else. Um, is there a home floor advantage at the Mem Center? Well, it, you know, if you measure the distance between the benches to the nets, 
it's it's identical. Obviously, it has to be. Um, like there's like the the bench doors aren't. But it changes the game, though, Jamie. Right on your breakouts out of your own zone oh, yeah, or, or yeah, breakaway like, passes, like it changes because you have to run away from the other team, and and it it yeah. changes things. It, it does definitely change, but there's there's strategies to that too, right? Because you know I got you know if they start doing that, then I got to strategize my transition defense and things like that too, you know. So for certain points in the game, you know, in the second period, my righty's got to go back and make sure they don't throw that pass over by the penalty box right side. Then he's got a late change. So, you know, that's a strategy that you got to develop. You got to work on, you got to practice and get better at. And mm. if you play there every home game, you, you get better at that. Do you the think it's better? Team, Do you think it, th- having yeah. it set up that way? I mean, it would surely cut down on, on a lot of between the benches stuff, but, do you think it's better for the game to have benches on the opposite side of the floor? Mm, it, it, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> it's a tough question because I like both. I like both of them. You know, I don't like when people get in the middle and they start fighting and changing and that, and it yeah. creates yeah. that's not part of the cross, really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if the benches were equally in the middle on each side, then there wouldn't be an, that kind of advantage. So it would be a lot fairer. Mm. Um but it's fair when they're beside each other too. So yeah. I just don't know if it enhances the game or whether it, it hurts it a little bit. I don't well, know. Probably creates probably creates more breakaways. You think so? More, more scoring chance. Oh yeah, like you know, you're you know, if you're a righty in the first period in Peterborough or the third period, you've got four steps off and you're at the dotted line. If you catch the ball, you're shooting. You know, like <laughs> Shawnee just must love that. Yeah. Well, I played oh, yeah. there as a I played there as a righty and loved it too. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, fair you enough. know, it helped my junior career. <laughs> no doubt. What do you say, Brad? Jamie, uh, um, you, you normally yeah, I ask. Just, uh, I got no. I got two more. One, I was okay. going to take it off track just because we got Jimmy Batley here, and um, you know, former former head coach of of the Toronto Rock and many many other teams. But the news this week about Toronto heading to Hamilton to play their home games, and I know that a lot of the big uproar was. Peterborough people are going to be pissed off because now you're an extra an hour and a half, two hours to get to Hamilton than you were from downtown Toronto. Same thing with with the fans from Whitby. But, you know, living in Peterborough, what do you think about that extra drive to <clears throat> Hamilton? Is that going to affect things? No, I don't I don't think the extra drive makes a big difference. You know, I can get downtown an hour 15 without uh, traffic, you know, and I'm probably an hour and 45 to, to Hamilton. It's half hour extra, maybe 40 minutes. We have that new paid highway 407. If you don't mind paying the 30 bucks, you know, it runs right into the 115 now. <clears throat> it just started that last year. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm on two highways, 115, 407. I'm in Hamilton. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's – I don't think it's going to affect. I mean, I'll still go to the games. Um, it may affect some people. It's a little further away. They like to go downtown. But, you know, going downtown Toronto is expensive. It's, it, it's you know, 30 bucks to park, and it's 16 bucks yeah. for a can of, can of beer. And – you know, you're 150 for two people to have dinner. And, you know, just a night going to lacrosse, you know, turns into about a $400 night. So, yeah. you know, you do that three times and I can go to Cuba, you know, for a whole week. So, you know, you kind of start looking at that where I think it'd be more economical. And, uh, yeah. in and blue collar like, town there in the hammer too, right? Like they're going to love yeah, lacrosse. Yeah. You know what? And it's got a long history of lacrosse. Like we've been, uh, they've had a tournament there, the Super Heritage Cup and all the rest. Thirty-five of years or something. Yeah. I, I used to go there as as a peewee in tournaments and yeah. tyke and stuff like that. So awesome! Huge history of lacrosse in Hamilton. Just before I let Brad ask his final question here on <clears throat> Lacrosse the Nation, as we speak with Hall of Famer Jamie 
Batley, uh, I know you've, you've hooked up with Halifax uh, over the course of the last year and, and doing a lot of things with, with the T-Birds. Uh, give me a give me a, ha- a Halifax update and, and what you're doing and, and what we can expect from the T-Birds heading into the season. Well, uh, I came on as the uh, alternate governor. Um, and, uh, you know, m- one of the main jobs I do is, uh, well, I'm on the competition committee now. Um, Kurt was on that and, uh, I replaced him on there. So working on the competition committee now for at least, you know, three or three months or so, but, uh, you know, my, my main focus, uh, as an alternate, uh, governor is to focus on the finances and the finances of the league that come downward and upward and those kind of things. So, um, keep Kurt informed and, and, you know, a little, little fingerprint on the, on player personnel as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, some of that stuff. I'm working with Mike and Kurt on those things too, making sure that, you know, we know what's going on with UFAs. We know what's going on with RFAs. You know, we know when we're going to sign players and just making sure, like like a background support for those guys. You know, we've made a lot of changes in the NLL. There's lots of rule changes. There's lots of things we had to do because of COVID. So it's not, it's, it's not the policies we've had in the past. A lot of them have changed. So, um, you know, it's my job once a week to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm giving updates to Kurt, make sure he knows what's going on in the league, get a pulse, um, and, and be able to make uh, good quality decisions when, when there is a Board of Governor vote. Uh, you know, on the other side with Mike, you know, we uh, just talked to him today and more of, you know, talking about players and what strategy we are going to do, who are we going to sign, how are we going to sign them, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, another voice that they have there to, to uh, give some background and, and make sure we're making the right decisions going forward. Like we, we think we have a great team. We think we have one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, you're always looking to enhance that team. And, uh, you know, so you're looking to who do you sign? Who, who, who don't you sign? Maybe. Well, you don't who have you too many too many holes to fill on that T-Bird roster, I would say, Jamie. Like, I think you guys are, are ready to hit the, hit the turf running. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was fortunate to go to Halifax uh, two, two, two Februarys ago when they were still playing and got a chance to go down and uh, watch a game there. It was packed. They played Sath that night. Oh, man. It was the game. overtime yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, best yeah. game in Picked the last a good one. years. Picked yeah. a good one. <laughs> That was, uh, yeah, and I was down there from my work, but I ended up, the game was on, so I took, uh, you know, what, 15 people I worked with, uh, Kirk gets tickets, so, nice. you know, it was it was a great night, everybody enjoyed it, and uh, over time, I think there was three disallowed goals. Yeah, it was nuts, like that. absolutely nuts. Yeah. And the fans, we, you know, Halifax lost, we lost, but I think the fans, like, unbelievably enjoyed that game, yeah, so. That'll hook you, um, a game like that, right? Like, you're coming back after you witness that. Yeah, we, we got we got some good momentum going on going on down there and you know, COVID kinda slowed things down, but sure. I think we'll come back pretty strong. Yeah. Oh yeah, social social media team, marketing team is doing all the right thing. Like Tyson Geick is, is crushing it with the videos every week. Halifax yes. is putting out best, the best content to stay relevant than than any other team in my opinion. So you guys can be proud about that. And well, that's uh, good feedback. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh not to, not to make you answer anything, but we are hearing that teams may may be able to start signing their own RFAs very shortly here. So we're waiting for some news on the league uh, coming from that. But back to lacrosse the nation, Jamie. I'm asking all the guests this. It's the middle of summer. It's July in Peterborough. You're walking down the street in downtown Peterborough. Uh, how likely are you to see a kid walking down the street playing wall bar with a stick in his hand? Oh yeah. That's uh, you know, it, that didn't happen for like a long period of time here. And I, you know, I look back to that uh, 84 to 2004, we really went through a bad time here, but uh, I, I see it all the time now. Um, you know, my brother, when he was alive, used to always stop and 
he would grab the stick and he, he, you know, he would twirl around. He won man cups. He's pretty good. He'd twirl the stick around his back, throw the ball over his shoulder and catch it. Like he would just ask the kid, Hey, what is this? Put on a show. And he'd start doing that and the kid would be shocked. Right? So, you know, I've done that a few times, but we see it all the time now. Uh, you know, scary. I see lacrosse sticks everywhere. Uh, as I said, I, I, I'm the president of the alumni here, uh, the Lakers alumni, and, and, and we're working on grassroots. Um, you know, a lot of our focus is on grassroots. A lot of our focus is on uh, spending money, buying equipment, uh, you know, buying sticks for, you know, we have a youth girls uh, field across clinics coming up in the summertime where it's, it's kids five to 10 who have never played, right? So awesome. getting a stick in their hands, those kind of things, and just really grassroots to try to build that that momentum of lacrosse back up or even get it better than it is. Yeah. So, well, that's uh, uh, take, note, that. take note other cities. That's exactly what you need to do to, to keep the minor numbers up, keep the sport growing, offer those camps, those, and, and have the stuff ready for these kids to try for the first time. Uh, Jamie, this was a fantastic conversation. It's great to see you catch up with you. And uh, thanks for schooling us on some Peterborough Lakers lacrosse. I don't know who your your Habs are going to play in in the in the playoffs, but best of luck to whoever that team is. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Love talking about Peterborough lacrosse. You know, obviously it's uh, it's in my blood, and uh, you know there's a lot of more lot more stories and a lot more things happening in Peterborough and lacrosse. So uh, glad to come on and uh, look forward to the next time with you guys. All right, man. Good talk. Thanks, Jamie. Talk soon. See you guys. There he was. Hopefully see there it is. in the summertime yeah. sometimes. You know what summer means, Jumbo. Yes, tell when me. the days bro. are fast approaching, you know what you need to protect yourself from the sun? I, I know, a but UV, tell the people. A UV-protecting cowboy hat from our good friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. They offer a wide selection of hats that will both keep you protected and looking great while you're doing it. You know, you don't want to look like a nerd out there with the... You know, but where they put, used to put the zink on the nose, yeah, you know, yeah, the big white yeah, yeah. You don't have to do that when Not you're wearing a, a when you're wearing a cowboy hat. Not a good look. Visit our friends at Stampede Tacker and Western Wear if you're local here. And visit them in Cloverdale, the corner of Highway 10 and 180th Street, or you can always shop online at stampede.ca. Where shopping online is still shopping local. Love me some Jamie Batley Jumbo, yeah, absolute bro. lifer, absolute Legend. grower of the game. Um, and glad he's doing his thing with the Halifax Thunderbirds. I guy. remember seeing Jamie Batley back in 07 at the Man Cup when we called our first Man Cup together, and he just looked like the surliest, meanest, angriest guy. Like, you didn't even want to say, like, hi, or like, you know, he's just, like, laser-focused. Super intimidating. Yeah, Super and, intimidating. and you know, once he joined Vancouver, like, it, he's, he's a completely different guy than what I thought he was, and got all day to talk lacrosse with Jamie Batley. That is going to wrap up quarter number two, Lacrosse the Nation. Thanks to Stampede Tack and Westernware. Thanks to Jamie Batley. Peterborough Lakers are off the list. We'll find a new city to head to next week. We got to find, uh, we got to get to break, is what I'm trying to say here, Brad. We got to get to quarter three because Quick Sticks are coming up next here on EP 131 of Lax Class on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level.
Hey, this is Eli Salama from the Calgary Roughnecks and Bill Chrome. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class as we move into the second half. The third quarter here on Lax Class 131. And here in the third quarter, we like to do quick sticks. And Brad, we got several this week. So let's get after it. But not before I say thank you to Associated Labels and Packaging for their continued support of the podcast here. Please support our sponsors. That's how you run this podcast. AssociatedLP.com, at AssociatedLP, focusing on people, ethics, quality, of course, Family owned down there in Coquitlam for the last 40 years, uh, Sean Ashworth doing great things. And I mean great things, not only with packages and labels, but the environment is always at the top of their vision. And and they got like a, they got like a bee colony going on down there. They got all sorts of stuff happening down at Associated Labels and Packaging. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. As quick sticks here in the third quarter, Brad, let's, well, let's start at the top. Uh, we got word from, from our new West episode, which was last week, right? Yeah. Uh, that the, we, ta- we were talking about the roof at Queensbury. It actually got fixed. So the, the, the moisture now is just from the old wood kind of soaking it up. And it's going to happen from time to time, especially when those doors are closed on that upper concourse. So no more game delays on rainy nights in the summer in Queens Park Arena. That was an old memory of broadcasts past that uh, that we both had had. There so goes. glad we corrected that. Speaking of the bellies, this Saturday, February or no, February, May the fifth. February. I don't know where the came from. May the 15th, that's this Saturday, the the Bellies feed the fish. They're doing a little virtual fundraiser, a little telethon action. Uh, they wrote me in to, to host an hour of this, Brad, along with Tyson Geik, who's going to do an hour. I believe Logan the Bus just is going to do an hour. Um, so I got, I got quite the lineup for people I'm going to be talking to during my hour of hosting we got the general manager, former president of the new Westminster Sound Bell, general manager of the Warriors, former president of the Bellies, uh, the big guy, Dan Richardson, will will be joining me. Erica Woolley, who I've mentioned on, on this podcast a while back about the Facebook groups that she runs and some of the nuggets that she digs up and posts on Facebook have been absolutely incredible. Daughter of the late great Harry Woolley. We'll be uh, we'll be chatting with her about it all, and and I I just kind of noticed this the other day, but a guy by the name of John Horgan uh, gonna gonna join me as well, Brad. Do you know anything about this guy? Wow. I, I don't really diehard, yeah, diehard. <laughs> I interviewed I interviewed our premier of BC in between periods of the Man Cup um, back in back in 2015, 2017, 20 something. Anyways, he waltzes into Queens Park Arena in a Victoria Shamrocks mm, jersey to mm. a Bellies versus uh, Peterborough Lakers game. I think it was during yeah. the Man Cup. Yeah. Anyways, as I said, it takes a pretty bold premiere to waltz inside QPA with a Shamrocks jersey on a night where the Shamrocks aren't even playing. <laughs> like he's just that diehard of a lacrosse guy. Yeah. But I respected it. 
I respected it. Yeah, and I know he's a huge Wayne Goss fan as well, and he's just a fan of of the game in general. And he'll yeah, like anytime he's doing his newscast or his, his press conference, he's always got the stick in the background there. But even his commercials and his campaign commercials, he was throwing the ball around. So uh, I don't like. I'm probably gonna stay away from from the COVID stuff because I think he's probably sick of talking about that. But look, just ask him when we can get back to return to yeah. play. Oh, that's, that's on the list. That's on the list. Don't you worry. So looking forward to all that. Feed the fish. Check out sandbellies.com as the new president, Paul Horan, putting this thing on. I'm looking forward to it. What else do we got? Oh, we can cross that off the list. We talked about that. TLL has scheduled August the 12th as a start date uh, back there in Ontario. We'll see how that goes. I think that's maybe a little ambitious, but we'll see. And, And we plan to be talking some TLL here in the coming weeks as well as they've been making... Uh, really weekly news here. Lewis Stotts named the president of the TLL and one Casey Powell added to the circle of excellence. Uh, pretty big get CP22. Never had him on the podcast, Brad. There might be a, a, a reason to go get him. Nicely done. I've, I've, I've interviewed CP. He's a, he's a great guy and he's an ambassador for the sport. And I think the TLL they have plans to have teams in the U.S., so this could be a big part of that. You know, maybe there's a, maybe there's an upstate New York um, addition or a team to the TLL that that Casey Powell can really make some some inroads in and use his connections in that area to to make it happen, bring it to fruition. So, this circle of excellence is exactly what it is. You know, it, it sounds excellent. It's got a great brain trust, and I'm <laughs> yeah. excited to see what these guys no, are going to roll right. out. I don't know why I'm laughing, but you're right. A uh, couple of shout-outs to the boys, uh, the Flash Boys here. Adam Levy, our good buddy Adam Levy, turning 30, and and his beautiful wife Nikki set up a little Instagram. Thing. I don't know if he got in on this, Brad, but a bunch of people send him a, a you know a little video. She put it all together. I'm looking forward to seeing the finished product. Happy birthday, Adam Levy, as he turns uh, dirty 30. And how about one Patrice Gregoire and, and his Twitter game as of late, Brad, has been on fuego. Like, Patty Gregoire is really getting good at the Twitter, man. He's he's heating up out there. I love to see it. He's got some good content coming. Are you talking about all the cool bet stuff? No, like he's getting them. That's where I get all my odds from. Now. Yeah, no, I know. Definitely, my only source for odds. Definitely that, but just uh, just the his personal account. Check a P. Greggy. I want to say it's twenty two. Is that right? P. I should, probably should have had that ready. But check it out, Pat Gregoire. You can find him. Uh, but Brad, what is going on out there in Delta? I hear the Flatlands is getting a brand new covered box. This is very exciting. You know, you steal nets from a community and good things end up happening. Completely unrelated, the net story that we had last weekend and the nets did get repaired. But yeah, the government giving uh, the city like a million of Delta, bucks or something, right? A schmill, a nice schmill to put a roof over our box. It hasn't been renoed since um, it's been over a decade now. Got a nice facelift about a decade ago, but to put a roof over that. That's so game changer, buddy. Game Breakfast, changer. lunch, and dinner at night with some lights down there is going to be absolutely fantastic to play rain or shine uh, here out in the flatlands. Yeah. Congrats. It doesn't rain that often out here, but still to be <laughs> yeah, covered true, play yeah. all year long. Yeah. It no. rains a little less than it doesn't Coquitlam up where you are, but yeah. uh, hey, we'll take it. And I know like, that money's out there. Like I hope communities see that. I know some communities like apply and make your case and state your case. Every and, city, and 
good things can happen. Every state, every city should be asking for something like this. No doubt. That's a big time game changer there. Congratulations to uh, Delta slash Ladner. Uh, the Ontario Junior Lacrosse League really, I, I mean, kind of coming out with an update from, from the new commission, Mark Grimes, but, you know, just saying that they have a bunch of different contingency plans to, to try and get a season in this year. I don't really know what that looks like. I think more updates are coming, but the message was sent that they really want to play and they're going to do everything in their power to make that happen. But it, in the end, it really might not be up to them. We'll talk about a circle of excellence in their own right. Like the plan that they have, I think is being spearheaded by Bill Greer and Cody Jamison. And yeah. from what it sounds like, it might not be a season, but it might be a showcase of events. And mm. I imagine these guys got together and said, Bruce caught well, in on that. Yeah. Like, is it, is it to get, is it for these guys to present themselves to scouts, scouts again, so they can get drafted because no one's seen them play in two years. And that's exactly what they're going to do. I think they might put on a couple little showcases. I don't know if they'll get a full season in, but there might be sort of like, um, you know, all-star type draft eligible. I'm down. Uh, Any, give me anything they can at put this on. point. Give, give me absolutely anything. Make sure you stream it. Make sure you broadcast it and, and sign me up. Absolutely. Um, let's stick in Ontario here for a second. Uh, got sent this article today, in fact, that, my God, this saga will not end. Brampton Excelsior's Board of Governors have removed four lifetime members from their board, including one Dan T, Dean McLeod, Brian Beasel, like... The faces of Brampton lacrosse. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, like the people that are are trying to fight to have their team saved and stay in Brampton. Yeah. Just uh, no, no. You guys are no longer in good standing with us, and you're done. Like I, Brad. The more that this goes on, like I don't know how much was paid to these people, but it seems like a lot of hush money has been spread around that people don't want to give up. So instead, they just keep trying to bury things, and now they've removed like royalty Brampton Excelsiors. It's ridiculous. It's going to be a made for TV mo- or a straight to Netflix movie one day to follow, to follow this saga. Like you, yeah, you hush up the board, the faces of Brampton lacrosse over the last 25, 30 years, Mike Hazen and Dan T get ousted, you know, current and former coaches for at the major and junior level. Like it's just it's just insane the way that they Ugh. want to try to keep these guys quiet. And I know the fight from from Dan and Nikki and everybody is loud and proud and and keep going because I'm I'm confident that that good things are going to happen for that community. But yeah. like, what kind of money is I keeping don't know. you yeah. quiet like, and turning your back on these you know, are Hall of Fame like every one of them is like a Hall of Fame member. Like <laughs> I just. I don't get any of it, man. It just does Your not look good. Your compass has to come in, you know. Yeah. If, again, moral compass has to come in at some point it's and cool. say, you know, we're ruining. We could be potentially ruining lacrosse in Brampton forever. For, for what? what? Ten grand, like, twenty grand, bit of money, like, little, little bit of money that we made to take a team over to Owen Sound. It's absolutely makes no ludicrous. Sense. Makes no sense. Give, just give them an expansion team, please. Like, anyway, so uh, we'll keep our finger on the pulse of that continuing developing story uh minor now na- this is not good news brad minor nationals for the second straight year canceled by the canadian lacrosse association i i get it i don't think they really had a choice in this but still holding out hope for minto prezi and man minors are done majors still have hope 
Yeah, and just a blow for the kids. Like, what, <laughs> they're not seeing any major competition or any high level. Like, are we going to be ruining a, 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 a generation of kids who aren't going to be able to get scouted and go and go play college lacrosse or Maybe. go pro because no one's going to be see these guys? Maybe. You're going to hurt their chances at playing higher level. You're going to hurt their chances of entering junior A. You can hurt female lacrosse. Just physical and emotional their... development as well, being connected to a team and being – But I get teams. it. Like, yeah. hey, We've got we've got team photos this weekend, and it's individual photos, and they Photoshop you all oh, together to God. make it look like you're sitting on a bench. Like that's where we're at on May of May fifteenth, twenty twenty one, right? So it does, it, like, nationals so getting canceled, but <sighs> yeah, it's getting, we're close. It's, we're getting closer. Like gonna a, there's going to be a big hole of. Have you had it yet? Are you getting? Properly, are you, have you been vaccinated yet, or are you waiting because you you got it right? What no, you- I haven't got I haven't got vaccinated yet. I'm on the list. I'm not going to go hunting for one. Yeah. I'm trusting the system. When they contact me and say, but it's my age group and I'm ready to go, okay. then I'll go. I'm not the type that's going to phone pharmacies no, at 8 no, o'clock no. at night. How many you got left, man? <laughs> um, <laughs> Are people that. doing that? <laughs> I Are need people- that AZ. <laughs> what do you I need got? that AZ stat. What How you much got? you got? Yeah. I can be there in five pe- minutes. Are people doing that? I don't. I'd like. I didn't even. People know. are doing that. That's, okay. what, that's how a lot of people are getting. That's how a lot of people are here getting their shots. They're no, phoning pharmacies five minutes before closing I, and say, you know, can I get in? Because there's a lot that you know the supply they have to chuck out if they don't give it right, to you right, by the right. end of the day. Yeah, I had no. So people, people are doing that. Fair I'm enough. not going to be one of those guys. I'm having my faith <clears> in the system that they will reach me when the time is ready. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, last one I have here on Quick Sticks this week, Brad, is a little Hall of Fame update. As uh, for those that don't know, we, over the course of the last four or five months, interviewed all 27 Hall of Fame members, or at least the ones that are still with us. And if they weren't, we talked to somebody who was very close with somebody who's not longer with us. So all 27 interviews, uh, we packaged those up. We sent them off to the National Lacrosse League office, and they are going to kind of tweak those things up a little bit. And I think they're going to be part of the NLL Hall of Fame relaunch as they are close to, I believe, announcing who is eligible for the upcoming class here. I think this announcement coming in a couple of days. And... We've been waiting for this for a long time, but the NLL Hall of Fame is coming back, and it's coming back soon. Yeah, they're supposed to be announced. I think originally the plan was for December. That's when we started um, calls to the hall was to sort of lead up to that in mm. early in the new year, late in 2020. Glad it's getting out there now. We've been waiting a long time. And, hey, the PLL just announced their – it's not going to be a full PLL Hall of Fame. But I didn't like PLL how they called it a professional the, lacrosse Hall of Fame. Like I, They should have called it a professional field lacrosse, field lacrosse Hall of Fame. Yeah. They but they should've. would never call it field lacrosse. They no. would just call it, you know, they would just call it yeah. lacrosse. I didn't like that. That's, I didn't that's like how they that. Roll. But I know. So that's why I'm like, oh, the NLL has been sitting on this for so long. And now they got to announce it a week and a half after the PLL does theirs. And – timing's not perfect but i'm happy that it's getting out there happy that we did get to uh be and part it's of it. gonna be a real solid list of candidates too like i and man like some guys are gonna have to wait a little longer than they probably deserve to but <laughs> the next you know, class think, going in is gonna is be now, juicy yeah you know who's gonna go in though like we know the no-brainer is willie and and doyle and john grant jr yeah. we've been told it's three three offensive three defensive we told that Mike French told us here two on builders, that podcast, two, right? right? So that's that's kind of confirmed. Mm. It's the three defensive players that no one can really Big agree debate. on when you start Big having debate. debates, right? Yeah. But I'm starting to come around to thinking that it's going to be 
the older end of things. So like, you know, Billy D Smith might be on that list, but Billy D Smith might not be first ballot because you have to get Reggie Thorpe and Glenn Clark and who you know, are your three. Sandy Tell me your three. Reggie Thorpe, Glenn Clark and Sandy Chapman. I would like to put B- Billy D. Smith in there. I think he's first ballot in normal times, but I think the the old guard is going to get let in the old guard first. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I agree. I think that's uh, apropos there, and, and I know it doesn't make for great podcasting, but I I like I agree with you. <laughs> I think maybe Pat McCready could go in ahead of Reggie. That that guy deserves to be in and and long long career for pat mccready i think he 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 could easily be up uh, as well so uh we'll have to wait for the full list to come out and then we'll we'll get to vote and, and all that sort of stuff so exciting news hall of fame coming look for an announcement coming in the next couple of days out of the national lacrosse league as well and I don't get to vote, by the way. You you get to vote. Just just I, just yeah. lobbing that out there to clarify. Thank you. I, I do not have a vote. You do. Well, but, maybe uh, one day. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna vote to get you on the voting committee. Maybe I maybe there I you can go. Do that. Appreciate it. Okay, Appreciate it. Uh, that was a whole bunch of quick sticks. Uh, that is quarter three. We're moving into the fourth and final frame as we got our stamping stallion of the week. It's coming up here on EP one thirty one Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. This is Robert Holt of the Colorado Mammoth and the Tuber Lakers. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Fourth quarter, no more breaks here in Lax Class. Uh, before we get, uh, before we head for the stables here. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Throw down a review as well. Follow us on social media at Brad Shell, at PXP for Sports, at Lax Class, at Lacrosse Classified. We've got a Facebook page as well. And email for you people, you non-social media people, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com is how you can reach us as well. Appreciate it, and uh, please do that. Brad, you ready to head for the stables? Giddy up! Giddy up! We have reached the Stampede Tech Stables here for our Stampede Stallion of the Week. My selection this week, Brad, but I, I kind of defaulted here and took the advice, the suggestion of one NLL crew chief, Todd LeBranche who suggested our stallion this week, and I think it's very apropos. I think it's a great selection as well. And it's none other than the man we talked about last week on NLL 35 Moments. Polly, Sean Pollock is this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. From Wallaceburg, Ontario. Can you name two other National Lacrosse League players? Oh, Jordan Durston, and that's it. Ty Belanger okay. is the Wallaceburg trifecta. I was going to say Chris Pollock. Fox, but I didn't. Sean Pollock leading that charge. Yeah, I love the way Sean Pollock played lacrosse. Like, you know, not not the biggest guy out there, but maybe the biggest heart out there. A couple uh, 26, 24, 26, 21 goal seasons with Minnesota. A couple 20 goal seasons with the Colorado Mammoth. That's where you're going to get great in the two-man game. Dirtiest picker in the game, man. Dirty oh. picks, man, but... 
you know, and racked up the penalty minutes too. Like, wasn't afraid to to have guys piss off at him He's or got you know, the fire, to, the cheddar, try to, ginger, try to take his yeah. head off. Absolutely, I know, I know how I know how that is. You yeah. got to go through life with a bit of a chip on your shoulder. Um, we talked about the the goal last week. I guess we can just call it the goal, the overtime winner on on the crossout cancer night, and then finish his career in Calgary, the team that he had iced that night. Yeah. Um, you know, and sort of rounds things out there and retires after the 2015 season with five uh, three uh, 533 points in 171 national lacrosse league games. That is solid production uh, by the right-hander. Absolutely. Some real productive years in Minnesota and Colorado. Bookend by a, a quick cup of coffee in Arizona and Calgary as well. Like I mentioned, one of the dirtiest pickers in the game. Had the knack to score the, the, the big goal, the clutch goal when it was time. And no, I've never met one person that said one bad word about Sean Pollock. And, and again, him and his, his wife, Jenna, and family are going through a tough time right now. Find their GoFundMe page. Support this family. And uh, Sean Pollock, man, welcome to the Stampede Tax Stable as you are this week's stallion. And, of course, our Stampede Stallion brought to you by Stampede Tax. Summer days, longer days, fast approaching, more sun, and I think that's the read that you made uh, earlier in the program. So I'll do a different one. <laughs> Today, shopping local and staying safe has never been more important. Keep everyone in our community safe is our number one priority at Stampede Tech, and we truly appreciate the support of the local community. Stampede would also like to thank all their customers from coast to coast who have shopped online. Shopping online is a great way to stay safe and support local. Encourage everyone to check out local shops and stores online and continue to support local companies. Together, we shall all get through this please visit stampede tack in cloverdale highway 10 180th since 1966 or online at stampede.ca where shopping online is still shopping local and i mentioned about kevin he's missed the rodeo and, and stampede two years in a row and needs your support more than ever please support that company and the rest of our sponsors we can't thank you enough for doing that thanks to ryan flaherty thanks to jamie batley for coming on the program and one more thank you out to the vancouver warriors associated labels and packaging of course as well and to you the loyal listener for checking out lax class sorry we're a little late this week but as you can tell we had a lot to talk about so appreciate you hanging in we'll talk to you next week here on lax class right here on the home of it lacrosse flash podcast network for brad challoner I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator, be safe, be healthy, and stay classified.